Welcome to A Magical Life, Health, Wealth and Weight Loss. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, Lead Practitioner at Holistic Natural Health Australia and number one best-selling author. In this podcast, I aim to give you practical tips on how to accelerate and sustain your health, increase your financial, spiritual and emotional wealth and to look at something that haunts many of us needlessly, weight loss. In some episodes, I'll have guests available to give you even more tips, but in others, the floor is yours. Drop us a line at A Magical Life Podcast on Facebook and let me know what you would like to know more about. Now, sit back and enjoy, because it is time for you to create and truly discover a magical life. Welcome back to A Magical Life. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, and today Mitchell Creasy joins us. Now, Mitchell is known as the President's Coach. He's an award-winning executive coach who helps people-pleasers, perfectionists, and self-doubters to become calm, clear, and confident. After seeing his father, the CFO of a publicly traded media company, collapse from a work-induced panic attack, Mitch vowed to use the tools his hippie mother taught him to ensure people like his dad could skip the struggle and go straight to the spoils. An expert in peace of mind, Mitchell works closely with leaders from finance all the way to agriculture to get them off the mental treadmill and into peace of mind. Mitch has appeared on The List, KTLA Morning News, Good Day Chicago, Fox 32, Chicago Noon Show, Great Day Washington, Good Morning Washington, Nashville's Talk of the Town, Good Day Austin, Virginia This Morning, and CTV Morning Live Calgary. Welcome, Mitch. Hi, Magic. Thank you so much for having me. This is a true pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Now, wow, you've appeared all over the joint, but that's not what intrigues me. And what does really draw me to your bio there is hippie mother and and panic attack (laughs) overworked father. How did that work? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if it was on television in Australia, but there was a sitcom in the late 90s in North America called Dharma and Greg. And it was about a a, a finance guy who's married to this this hippie woman. And they just kind of were at odds about a lot of things and how the world worked all the time. And I always say that was the fictional version of, of my parents. So <laughs> we're all biased. But in my opinion, it was the greatest upbringing anyone could ask for, especially going into this line of work, because the consistent duality experienced on a daily basis was probably shocking to some. But when you experience it every day, you normalize it that much quicker. So to see it, every day and to, to basically be in an environment of okay show me the nuts and bolts make the sheet balance as opposed to getting the right energy god will deliver and bridging the gap between those two it was something special to be a part of for sure that's so cool and yes we did have dharma and greg and it was a great show there you go such a fun show such a fun show so that was pretty much that was that was pretty much it for me growing up. That was my mom, 
very much like Jenna Elfman in that show. And then my dad was very much a, a Greg type, right? So it was, and then my sister and I were there in the middle, not trying to make sense of it all because it's your upbringing. It's your parents. That's just, be, that's your normal. And it, it was, it was our normal. And it was interesting because it wasn't until my dad collapsed that, you know, it was really interesting actually, because it was around that time in my life when I started asking the big questions, you know, started asking like, what am I here for? And I, I remember my coach at the time I was in my early twenties and I, I have been coached since I was about 18 years old. And that's part, of, that's part of the, the mom side of it as well. So we never, we never really had a GP, a formal medical doctor. We had in the eighties, we had a natural path and we would drive like two hours out into the country every month, once a month to go for our checkup, maybe once a quarter. I don't know. I was, I was a kid. And so like part of that, when anytime there was like stuff not right within the body or the mind, whether or not it was a, a naturopath before a naturopath is really an accepted thing or, uh, oh my gosh, I, you know, my mom's so deep in it. I don't even know half of the titles of these doctors, but anyway, I ended up becoming, taking the place of our, our GP, so to speak, became an energy healer before the, an energy healer was even a thing really, or at least became widely accepted. And so we'd go to this energy healer and she then became my coach. and as I started to grow and get bigger and out into the real world and looking for work and a career and what do I want to do with my life and, you know, being young and hungry, so to speak, and, you know, like chasing the money and, okay, I want to have this kind of life. So I want to do this, that, and the other, and more so than money for myself. It was a power thing, I think. And so, I, you know, I was looking at all these like big careers and big shiny industries and nothing was working. And I found, thank goodness it wasn't. And anyway, it got to this point where my coach at the time was like, you got to ask the big questions. So she said, she's like, yeah, literally ask, ask God, ask the universe as much as you can. What am I here for? Like what, because it has to be something more than date someone, break up, get a job, make money, die. Like, what is that? It's, what is like, got to be more to it than that. And so I asked like three to six times a day, I would take the dog for a walk and I would just ask, well, what am I here for? What am I here for? And probably took like three or four months truthfully of every day asking. And then I remember I went and um, we live on a farm and I went and I laid down beside uh, the lake to take a snooze. And it was in the middle of August and I shut my eyes and it was under the tree and probably maybe like a minute in. And it was like the sun just punched me in the face and it was clear as day. It was like, use what mom taught you to help people like dad. And I was like, yep, there it is. A hundred percent. And at this point, I don't think I had started A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is essentially the workbook for inner peace. And it was, it was created by this team of psychologists in the seventies or eighties, I believe. And these, these three psychologists, psychologists or psychiatrists, I can't remember, but anyway, they would show up to work and they were just all fucking miserable. And they, they were asking the same questions. And this, this, this tome, which really looks like a Bible, it feels like a Bible. It's super dense. It's very pulpy, incredibly small font, and certainly not written with clarity in mind. <laughs> anyway, so I don't think I was quite into it at this point. But, but when I received this, this download, it's like, this is what you're here to do. And I went, oh, okay, great. And 
started saying yes to the steps that they appeared, I realized, and along with the guidance of my coach at the time, and just the nature of the work that stood before me, that I wasn't going to be able to perform at the level I needed to unless I was doing the inner work on myself. And so I believe it was around this time that my coach was like, hey, it's time for A Course in Miracles. And so I kind of literally took a year off of my life. It's a 365-day course, which is really just like a lesson a day. And a lesson, we would say, is like a page in this book. And I mean, I was working. I was already coaching. I was coaching CrossFit at the time. And so I, I, the all, uh, really, the only jobs I've ever had were a coach was coaching. I coached gymnastics before that, which led into CrossFit, which led into this. So I've, I've, I've always been a coach. <laughs> I remember when I was like, I don't know, nine, 10, somewhere around there. I remember I started in our neighborhood. I started a football team just so I could coach it. So I was always very much into coaching. And anyway, somewhere before that, my dad, he had collapsed. And this guy, he is closer to your side of the pond. He's from London nicest guy in the world, just a total people pleaser, sweetheart. This guy just worked his ass off. So back in the day, you did not need to go to school to become an accountant. You could do it through night school. So he finished high school and he went to night school and he became an accountant, found his way over to Canada and then into the US and then back to Canada. And he was, you know, he's not from the nicest part of London. He's a pretty hard dude. In the sense that, you know, when he wants something, he goes and gets it, doesn't take no for an answer. And super good athlete. There's no cartilage in one knee, bone on bone. He still managed to run like New York Marathon, Boston Marathon multiple times. He represented Team Canada as a do athlete. Uh, like there's very, very, very strong amateur athlete. All of this to say, when you receive a phone call from your mother saying that that man collapsed in his office from of all things, a panic attack or an anxiety attack, it makes you question, like, what? How is that possible? How did that happen? And it was only through my own self-study and years of reflection and looking back on it, you start to look below the surface, below the nuts and bolts, and actually see what's happening at the bottom of the ocean, so to speak, that's causing the waves on top. And when we get to that point, that's when we can start to make real lasting change. And that's the work I do today with my clients. Wow, what a journey. Now, Mitch, I ask all my guests the same three questions. And the answers that I get are just so vastly different. So here comes your first one. What can your expertise do to accelerate health, not just physical, but also emotional and spiritual health? So the brass tacks of it, the bottom line is I, the work we do is I shift people from this fight, flight, freeze, or fawn state back into a state of homeostasis, a state of rest and relaxation. And as we know, rest is the state of receivership. Receivership is the state of growth. So everything that we want is born from that place of rest. So it's moving from fight, flight, freeze, or fawn back into that state of rest. And from there, you know what to do next. Very much so. And homeostasis, so many people just don't even consider it. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Now, we talk wealth here as well. So what are your top three tips to creating wealth? Not just the financial, but the personal wealth. Well, I love that you include it all because it, it, it really is all part parcel and the same. And particularly with money, 
money is such an interesting thing. Like we all have so many judgments around money. We have so many point of views around money that that just really don't serve us. And we and we don't take the time to question them. If we don't take the time to question them, we don't take the time to rewrite our answers. And if we don't rewrite the answers, then we keep reliving the same reality around them. So, well, all that being said, so the first thing I always say is we, you want to, it's a kind of a combination. You want to meet yourself where you are, meaning you want to accept the state that you're in. You have to first acknowledge where you are. You can't run from and pretend you're not feeling how you're feeling. You can't run and pretend that you're not in the state that you are yet. You have to meet yourself where you are in order to be able to lock step forward in peace and in power. And the other part of that is you also want to remember what it is you actually want. I think so many times we, we forget what we want in, out of this season in our lives. And the best analogy that I'm using right now with a lot of my clients, and I just love it so much, and I'm going to paraphrase because I truthfully can't remember the actual, <laughs> the actual quote, but it, um, like, it was something that Bruce Lee said about most people think like you want to flow and be like the water, but the truth is you are the water, something along those lines. And I, I say that to, if we actually picture water moving downstream towards the bigger body of water, Along that journey, there's going to be debris in the water, the rocks, whether it be fallen branches, whatever it is. But when water hits a rock, it doesn't stop at the rock and ask, what did I do to attract this rock? How can I dissolve this rock? What is the density of this rock? Is that the density that I'm carrying right now? How did this happen? The water doesn't try to solve for the rock. The water recognizes it's there, right? AKA meet yourself where you are and acknowledges that it's there. It rolls off and continues on to its goal, moving downstream towards the larger body of water, towards the ocean or the lake that it's going towards. So meet yourself where you are. Remember what you want. The second thing I always say is ask questions. When we make statements, we stay where we are, but when we ask questions, we continue to grow. And and most people, when we say ask questions, we think about asking people around us. You know, I mean, sometimes that's okay, but never be afraid to simply just ask yourself or ask your higher self because your higher self knows the simplest path, the easiest path, the most straightforward, the path of least resistance, the path of least effort towards where it is you want to go. So the more questions you can ask, the more you're meeting yourself where you are, the more you're assuming there is something greater waiting for you. So ask questions, ask as many questions about where you are, about where you're going, about what to do today, about how to get there, as many questions as possible, whether it be wealth, fulfillment, any of it. And lastly, I would say give it away, meaning that we like to hold our grievances so tightly and we like to build our identities on these grievances. Oh, my, my, my mom was this or my dad was that, therefore I am. Well, no, your mom or dad did. You interpreted that that interpretation served you for a while. It does not serve you now and you're still holding on to it. That's why you're angry. So we need to give away that grievance. And the simplest way to give away the grievance or my favorite way right now is honestly as if God the universe, when, when I say God personally, I'm not talking about a man in the sky. Scientists would call it the, the quantum field. 
spiritualists would call it the universe, whatever you want to call it. But but essentially, it is it is the universal energy, as Reverend Michael Backwith, one of my favorites, would say, it is the presence that is never an absence. So when I reference God, that's what I'm talking about all the time. And so as if we were available to to see the manifestation of that presence in human form right in front of us, we would tell it. We would give away that grievance. We would say, wow, I'm really afraid right now. End of story. Full stop. Wow, I'm really scared right now. Wow, I can't believe that happened. And this was my reaction. Wow, I don't really know what to do next. Wow. When we give it away by vocalizing it, we're moving that energy. We're not holding on to energy. And if there's no stored energy in the body, we've now created space in the body. If we've created space in the body, as we know, the, uni- the universe abhors uh, vacant space. It will fill it with something that matches the vibration. When we're giving things away, as the law of receiving says, freely give to freely receive. When we give something away, we create space to then freely receive something that matches the vibration that we are currently vibing at. And that keeps us in flow, moving towards whatever it is we're looking to experience, whether it be fulfillment, wealth, a new relationship, body goals, whatever it is. I love that. That's just so important. I completely agree. Now, we talk about weight here. So have you ever battled your weight? If so, what was the trigger to lose it? What can you offer the listeners who might be dealing with weight issues, who might be under you know, increased stress? So I myself, I've never battled severe weight issues. Like I, I mean, we all have times when we're like, oof, I got to cut back here. This is not looking too good. But not anything where I, I've had to say, well, okay, um, I really got to do something here. But a lot of my clients, while they may not come to me right off the bat for weight, that comes out pretty quickly, that that is something that they want to deal with. And as Lauren Hill saying in, I believe, the late 90s, everything is everything. So the same way we deal with, say, a money issue or the same way we deal with a personnel issue at work is the same way we deal with a weight issue. We always work from inside out. We always start below the surface and move outward. So like I've had clients that have lost like 30 pounds in three months in our work together and we never discuss weight. It's just the byproduct of moving into rest and relaxation. The body is no longer needs to hold on to anything. And it's, so it just starts letting go. And when it starts letting go, the weight just starts coming off. Now, granted, this particular individual I'm talking about already was actively exercising and was aware of the intake they were having in terms of food in their body. So it's not like they were just sitting around. But at the same time, I had another client a few weeks ago just messaged me saying that the work we did together gave them the confidence to then step into the right program for them. And I think within the first week or something, they lost 10 pounds, something like that, or the first couple of weeks. So all of this to say, the weight can come off when we move the body into the right energetic state. That's been my experience. Now, granted, I have zero background in weight loss. Like I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one. And we never actually talk about the weight. We just talk about the ideas we hold around weight the weight we're at, the weight we want to be. And we just kind of shimmy ourselves into this place of rest and relaxation. And when the body gets there, it knows what to do. So I just want to say, I love that you said, if they're busy or in a state of stress right now, because I think a lot of us are like, life gets chaotic. 
it can get out of control, right? We can get swept away on this mental treadmill, so to speak. So what I love about asking questions is they don't take any time. It's not like we would have to carve out more time in our day. We're just asking ourselves if we're willing to see things a little bit differently in a question it's a great way to circumvent that and actually start inviting a new perspective. So without further ado, my favorite questions around this in no particular order, what idea or image of self am I holding on to, right? If we're holding weight, there's an idea, there's something we believe we have to be in. Very little of this is going to be a conscious thought. It's going to be unconscious. And part of the job is to make the unconscious conscious. When that happens, we open up naturally back into that state of rest and relaxation. So another question I love is what idea about myself am I protecting? Again, if I've literally put layers on, I'm trying to create separation between my true self and something I perceive out there, right? Um, So what am I protecting? Or what idea about myself am I protecting? Who or what am I insulating myself from? Kind of the same question, different wording. Who do or don't I want to be seen by? One of the refrains I hear a lot from a lot of clients when we're talking about weight is, is this is not the real me. Like I'm not like this. And so I always, I always find that really, really telling in that via stress and food and sleep, or lack thereof, and lack of movement, for whatever reasons, we create this distorted image of self that keeps us separate, not only from ourselves, but from the things we actually want. And again, one of the things that I'm always talking about with my clients is that, or I always say is that we never do anything unless there's inherent benefit built in for us. We might not know what the benefit is, but unless it's there, we're not doing it. The job is to realize what the actual benefit is. Once we get clear on that, then we can change it. And we simply, once we change it, we adopt a new strategy and away we go. What judgments do I have against the type of person who has the body I want? This one I think is really important. um, And it kind of comes, ties back into moving downstream and remembering what it is you want. We can deal with what's here right now, sure, but unless the energy is clean around where it is we're going, uh, we're going to have resistance around getting there. It's going to be much more arduous and less fun to do so. So understanding what judgments like, okay, I might not enjoy being at the, the weight I'm at, but if I were to be quote unquote skinny, well, that would mean that I have to wear, you know, tight clothing and be a bitch. I don't know. I'm just making this up, right? But if that's the unconscious bias that we have around being a certain weight, well, then I don't want to be that person. So I'm going to keep a little bit of this weight on for myself, right? So we always want to be willing to look at what kind of judgments we have around who it is we're looking to become and kind of in that same vein, what would having that body mean and what would it force me to give up? What would it mean to look like that? What meaning am I assigning to carrying that sort of aesthetic and what would that force me to give up? Right? Like if you lost 50 pounds and lived in a community or close to a community where people who lost 50 pounds just started hiking in the woods every day, 
but you just really like Real Housewives and lattes, like, okay, does that mean I have to like become a hiker now if I lose 50 pounds, right? What bogus idea is this forcing me to give up? And so when we start looking at weight, money, anything through this kind of lens and start asking these types of questions, we quickly start to see the beliefs that we've held and how they're lining up to support where we are right now. There's some fantastic information there. Mitch, I have loved this episode and I would love for you to join me in our next. People can find you on Instagram at Coach Mitchell Creasy. So that's Coach Mitchell C-R-E-A-S-E-Y. Now, Mitch, before I let you go for this episode, we love freebies. What can you offer the listeners? Oh, I love to do quick little hits. So like 30 minute, let's get in, let's out. What's the thing that's bothering you today? Let's get in, let's do it. Let's get to the root of it and get you out of here. So little 30 minute hits. And how can people get that with you? Hop on Instagram and the link's right there. And you can hit that link. You can book a time and away we go. Fantastic. Now, listeners, this was your episode 190 with Mitchell Creasy. Mitch will rejoin us in 191. For now, thank you for your time. Go forth and create your magical life. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to hear future episodes, leave a review and share this podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at A Magical Life Podcast or at Holistic Natural Health Australia. That's holistic with a W. You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Natural Health or at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. That's where you'll access all sorts of articles, freebies and more.